Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast channel that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. This is part two of a two-part series on exploring the future of work. Featured in this session is Peter Miskovich, Managing Director of JLL Consulting Strategy and Innovation, and Alan McGinty, Senior Director of the Global Workplace Innovation Group for Cisco Workplace Resources. So, Alan, as we think about the future of workplace flexibility and remote work and the historical uh, telework programs across various corporate enterprises, including Cisco, we've seen numerous announcements of you know, companies bringing people back into the office. Um, there's sort of this interesting paradox that, you know, telecommuting and telework is increasing. However, um, we're also seeing this need for greater in-person uh, physical alchemy, if you will, in terms of in-office, you know, face-to-face -face collaboration. Would really like to get your thoughts and, and your uh, insights from Cisco's perspective on you know, what is the future of workplace flexibility and how have you and Cisco orchestrated this across your workforce and across your significant uh, global real estate and workplace portfolios? Yeah, thanks, Peter. This is, this is a very hot topic in most boardroom conversations um, within large enterprises these days. So when you look at flexible work programs and remote work, um, from a Cisco perspective, we do have flexible work programs, and we consider that to be a key market differentiator in the war for talent. A lot of people are looking for that flexibility to bend their, you know, blend their work and personal lives together more effectively to be able to manage their lives the best way they see fit while delivering, you know, on expectations of work. However, I say we have flexible work policies but it really comes down to the function and, and the group that you work with. So it's really about a, a, an agreement with, between an employee and their management team. Some teams may require, no, sorry, I need you to be, you're a, you're a customer service representative, you need to be in the office every day, five days a week. Other teams may be okay with having remote workers. Other teams may be okay with, yeah, okay, you can work one or two days a week from home, but I expect you to be in the office a minimum of three days a week, and it runs the entire gamut. It's purely based on the business function needs. So as part of our people deal, here's what we expect, Cisco expects you to deliver, and if you deliver that to Cisco, this is what you can expect from Cisco. So it's, it's a negotiation, it's a business requirement. Now when you, you look at uh, you know the trends here, it's not changing, it's gonna be getting more and more, um, you know, people are wanting to work flexibly and remotely. The trend is undeniable. It continues to climb. A lot of companies are, are fighting with, with this concept, thinking that, well, you know, there it goes from the, you know, the spectrum of if you can't see them, if they're not at work, they're not doing any work, to, yeah, they can be fully functional remotely because I can see that they're delivering and surpassing, you know, their deliverables. So it's really about having an effective management plan in place to deal with that, to still drive you know, productivity and, and efficiency. And I think a lot of the companies were finding that many of their remote workers were not working uh, full-time or, or less than full-time and, and wanted to address that, <coughs> felt that their 
they were losing their corporate culture, uh, not having the face-to-face -face interaction. So Cisco tried to get a blend of that while having these flexible policies while also building fantastic you know, work environments in the Cisco Connected Workplace to want to draw people in to come into the office and create that culture and then those in-person connections. You can't you know, drive a corporate culture 100% you know, remote. So there's got to be an opportunity to, to blend those two concepts together to get the best result, and that's, that's, how, that's how we try to address it. Now, we're trying to build work environments that are um, you know, neighborhood-based, activity-based work environments that provide a wide variety of different spaces so that people have the right type of space to support the work they're doing, whether they need a quiet zone, a creativity zone, you know, audio privacy room, a, a meeting space, a spontaneous residential collaboration area, uh, you know, digital whiteboarding area um, for brainstorming. So we, we, we provide all of these different space types and the right ratios based on the business intelligence of that group that's in that space. So um, as I said earlier in the, in the first podcast, uh, we try to make every, every project a little bit better than the last one and put it in our continuous delivery loop. Um, so we, we, we think we're providing a global service to our constituents that we are in a continuous improvement mode. Now the future of workplace flexibility, great question. Um, I think it's gonna continue uh, to accelerate and we're gonna have to, to change along with it. Tremendous, Alan. Thanks for that, what I would term, balanced perspective on the future of workplace uh, flexibility. Another related topic that we'd like to get your perspectives on is the topic of co-working. And it's interesting to see uh, co-working evolve in the last, you know, 10 years, certainly 15 years. We're seeing the, the valuation of WeWork now as a $20 billion company. Uh, we're also seeing across many enterprises the liquid workforce in terms of contingent autonomous workers will rise from what is today 30% of an enterprise workforce potentially to 40, 50, 60% or beyond. And so in terms of co-working for the corporate enterprise, do you see the continued expansion of co-working as a viable option? And then what are your perspectives and Cisco's perspectives on co-working as a viable corporate real estate portfolio strategy option and workplace option for the future. Thanks, Peter. Uh, I see I see co-working and liquid space uh, um, with increasing need in the future. It'll continue to accelerate, and this is this gets back to the rapid rate of change that all businesses are facing right now, and the ability to respond quickly to new needs or dispose of. Um, you know, enterprises quickly based on needs. So um, I think you'll see a lot less um, owning of real estate by companies. I think uh, most large companies have, have been, you know, bitten by, by bad real estate decisions over the years and have had to write off, you know, significant assets from the books. Um, the need for space to be more and more flexible is, is really, really accelerating. So. If you looked at this five years ago, you would see a few, you'd see dabbling in co-working. Um, and you'd see companies like Regis that have been providing, 
you know, flexible space for years. But to see, you know, the, the rapid expansion of WeWork has been kind of surprising, but clearly tells you that the need is there and accelerating. Um, we need to be able to, if you need to be able to penetrate a new market, look, I need to put 20 people in a new, new site. We need to do it rapidly. Let's do it. You can do it next week, right? <clears throat> in the past, it would take, you know, months of planning to try to get to get on top of that. And by the time you did, you may have missed an opportunity. So um, things are changing. Um, centers of talent are changing. You know, it's it's no longer, you know, suburbs in Silicon Valley. It's it's San Francisco, you know, on the harbor. It's uh, it's not in the you know suburbs of Boston, the Boston Seaport. It's not you know Dallas or Houston. It's Austin. It's Tel Aviv. It's not Jerusalem. Uh, this is happening all over the world. Talent is moving into centers that need to that we need to you know really bring support rapidly, and we are doing that around the world now. And um, seriously looking at uh, these flexible, you know, workspace options and liquid options to uh, kind of plug in as a as a part of our strategy going forward. Yeah, it's a corollary uh, question, Alan. There was a prediction recently that we might see, you know, the corporate lease term uh, migrate down to one-year lease terms, and then corporate portfolios potentially. Um, comprising of, you know, say 30% or maybe even more of co-working type spaces. Um, do you envision that in the future for Cisco, or what are what are your thoughts in terms of that progression in terms of real estate lease terms and co-working uh, portfolio percentages? Well, yes, I, I do see I do see you know shrinking lease terms. Uh, definitely as part of the strategy, especially with the accounting rules changes with FASB 13 and people and companies needing to carry, you know, lease burdens on the balance sheet as a liability. So that changes, you know, some of the, the financial impacts to, uh, to corporate financial statements. Um, and you've got to wrap a lot of strategy around it, too, because, you know, if you, if you have, you know, three three uh, renewal options in there, you're going to carry that liability too. If you've got, you know, a thousand parking spaces in that lease, you're going to carry that too. So That's the helpful. The more flexible we can be, um, the better position we're going to be to, to, to drive business results and, you know, impact, impact the bottom line. Thank you. Appreciate those uh insights, Alan. So as we look at the future, and we're in 2017 going into 2018, if we were to look out to 2027, and there are those who will say that, you know, we've experienced tremendous change in the last 10 years, but in the next 10 years, we won't experience 10 times as much change. We will experience a thousand times as much change. And in relation to um, emerging technology and disruptive business models and the evolving role, and I would say the criticality of, of corporate real estate and the corporate workplace and the corporate function to support the digital workforce of the future. What are your thoughts as we look out to 2027 if we were to make some longer-term predictions 
and what are some of the challenges and perhaps opportunities for the corporate real estate uh, executive to engage, embrace, and, and grow from? Well, that's, that's, that's a great, great question, and, and I spend a lot of time thinking about this uh, to try to, you know, try to get us aligned for what we believe is going to happen in the future. Um, in terms of corporate real estate, I think the physical real estate will, will continue to shrink. I think flexible and mobile workers will continue to accelerate. I think with AI and cognitive robotics um, and wearables, um, employees will no longer have any kind of tactical things to do. They won't have to type. They, you know, when you walk into a space, the space will recognize you. It'll, it'll do what you, what you told it to do in your preferences. So, for instance, if I walk into a, a conference room, I, I want my virtual, you know, my virtual desktop to pop up on this monitor on the, this touchscreen monitor on the wall that I can then talk to and tell it to open this, this document or connect to this, this website. Um, you know, presence sensing when you, you, you know, some of the, you'll walk by and it's kind of like, you know, some of the, the sci-fi movies that you've seen, you know, you'll walk into the building, Peter, and you'll walk past the digital sign and it'll say, good morning, Peter, how are you today? You know, your first meeting is with, with uh, Mrs. Smith in conference room Bordeaux on the second floor. And, you know, when you leave, it'll say goodbye, Peter, have a good day. And, you know, so you're, you're, you're enhancing people's lives um, without invading privacy because you make them opt-in programs because privacy is going to be a huge issue. Data, pervasive data security is a huge issue that needs to be managed from, from every element. The other thing that we all need to think about is to make sure that we are putting, you know, the proper uh, infrastructure in place to support the avalanche of technology that, that's going to be coming at us that we don't even know what it is yet. Um, so, you know, the network, the cloud, becomes so much more important to be able to, to support what, what comes up in the future. I think, you know, these things will become more and more available as a service rather than a capital infrastructure for company because it'll need to be so flexible and, and able to change so rapidly that you need to, you know, dial up that service or dial it back. Uh, the Internet of Things, I mean, anything with a pulse that does anything, that produces anything, you know, will be connected. <clears throat> You'll have, you know, apps for everything. Right now we've got apps, you know, one or two click apps on our, on our mobile device where we can get what we want. They'll all be, you know, verbal apps. So through your wearables, you won't, you won't be, have a PC or maybe not even a, uh, personal mobile device by 2017. You'll just speak and get what you want in your earpiece or in your eyepiece. Um, so it's going, to be, it's going to be very interesting, you know, communicating with everything in, a, in an automated way uh, and just uh, being able to spend more focused personal cognitive time on, on higher value activities, right? Yes, and, and if you were to, to share with our audience perhaps like three things that corporate real estate executives today should be thinking of in preparation for 2027, um, Alan, what would be your, your mentoring and guidance uh, for those executives in, in preparing for the 
very dynamic and disruptive and exciting future state that you just described. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, what do you need in your workforce, right? Because it is, it is transitioning so rapidly. Uh, you know, the digital natives, as you pointed out earlier, that, you know, they're going to come in with a completely different skill set. These are, these are the kids that were, were born with a, you know, with an iPad in their hands. And um, so they, they, they have been connected to technology from day one. They're going to, they're going to continue to accelerate. So where, where do I need to get that talent? Where's that talent going to come from so that I can stay in business and not get passed? So that, that is, that's one thing, probably the most important. The next thing is, you know, how do I support these workers in a virtual way and in a physical way to make them be as productive and engaged as possible? So that's, then it's the tools, it's the technology platforms, it's the physical space, it's the, the benefits packages, it's the compensation packages. It's all of that that, that needs to think about uh, in the future. And then um, having a plan to deal with the rate of change, uh, knowing that it's going to change. Every six months something next is going to come out, right? Um, Self-driving cars. Um, you know, the self-ordered, you know, delivery uh, of devices on the same day, you know, delivered by a, uh, a drone, you know. It's going to be, yeah, it's, 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 that's the big question, Peter. Like, how do you align your organization to be able to prepare and respond to the change? Yes. Yes, well, Alan, I appreciate your great insights and this tremendous conversation. We hope the uh, Coronet audience has enjoyed this uh, podcast, and Alan will look forward to future dialogue with you. Thank you so very much. Great. Thank you so much, Peter. Take care. This concludes the second part of Coronet Global's podcast on exploring the future of work. Want to record a What's Next podcast of your own? Have an idea or a point of view you'd like to share? Visit CornetGlobal.org to learn more.